Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Learning Logic Podcast. I hope everyone's doing well and everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Um, I know Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday just because there's great food and you don't have, you don't have the pressure of gifts and such, but this year definitely was a little bit different and a little bit smaller, which is a bummer, but, you know, got to make the most of what you have, and the food is really good this year. Um, my mom made really good turkey and stuffing and kind of all the same um, things that she's made in the past, but I would say my favorite is favorite of the Thanksgiving foods is stuffing, uh, the green bean casserole. Um, what else? I mean, my, my mom makes really good dill bread as well. And yeah, I went to uh, Bittersweet Bakery, which is a bakery, which is um, what right across from my, well, close to my apartment. Um, wanted to support small businesses as well as not have to bake. So um, I got there. Uh, like hazelnut raspberry cake as well as like a pumpkin pie which are both really good uh, definitely recommend them if you're looking for a good bakery in uh, downtown Chicago all right so let's get started um, on episode four which is what we're on today um, this episode we're just going to be finishing out the 13 reasons um, in the introduction of the Socratic logic book um, where Dr. Kreeft talks about the 13 reasons to study logic so um, let's just dive right in and go over those. And uh, yeah, definitely um, looking forward to uh, discussing these. And um, as always, definitely encourage anyone who has any questions or comments. Um, greatly appreciated. You can always, um, you know, share them on the Instagram account that I made. It's kind of goofy. Um, shout out to to my friend Christina. She made me a cool, um, I don't know, it's like a logo, I guess, with uh, a new logo. So that looks a little bit sharper than my other one. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, you can always comment on Instagram, you know, learninglogic123 at gmail.com. Send me emails there. Um, I know it's, it's the beginning, so it's kind of hard to have a, have a dialogue. But um, And also if you don't have the book necessarily. Anyways, definitely feel free to reach out if you have any questions or um, you know, any, any, uh, feedback, anything is welcome. Um, you know, greatly, greatly appreciated. And I appreciate everyone who does take the time to listen. Okay. So, um, so like I said, we're going to be going over reason nine, 10, 11, 12, and 13 today, which sounds like a lot, um, but bear with me. So the ninth reason that Kreeft gives for, uh, studying logic is, um, defining logic's limits. So Kreeft goes on to say, does logic have limits? Yes, but we need logic to recognize and define logic's limits. Logic's, logic has severe limits. We need much more than logic, even in our thinking. For instance, we need intuition too. Um, I think that these kind of seem, once, when you read, when I was first reading these, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of common sense. Like you'd think that like, but it's not necessarily something like we all know this, but it's not necessarily something that we think about, I guess, which is kind of interesting. Um, and I thought that was a good, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still kind of, I, it's still kind of a complex thing, what he's saying, but I thought that was a good point. It's like, yeah, you can't just have logic, but, um, and, and then he goes on to say what, you know, you also need into intuition. Um, I'm big on like defining things. So 
I'm, you know, figuring out what the definition is of things. So when I first read that, I was kind of like, okay, I know, I internally, I know what intuition is, but if someone said, Hey Molly, can you, can you, you know, define that? I would have a hard time. So I really had to think on it. Um, and after thinking about it and, um, talking about it with, uh, my dad, I, we came out to the definition that, um, intuition is knowledge that is derived from non-logical sources. Um, an example of that is going with your gut. So you have a gut intuition. Um, your gut feeling is something that it's kind of a feeling you have, but there's not a logical explanation behind it. That's definitely an important, um, survival technique I think we have. And, um, something that, you know, you can't, you don't want to just go with feelings all the time, but it's also important to kind of balance the two. Um, okay. Then he, Kreef then goes on to share, um, in our lives, logical arguments are always embedded in a human context that is interpersonal, emotional, intuitive, and assumed rather than proved. And this colors the proper interpretation of a logical argument. Logical thinking alone cannot do this, but it can know what its limits are. It can distinguish what it can what it can understand from what it can't. Um, again, it sounds like a very common sense principle, but um, it's kind of it, an odd thing. It, it basically it's saying you to be able to define the limits of logic, you need you need to learn how to study logic. Um, and if you don't study it, you can't really understand the limits. Um, and it, it's important to understand the limits because once you understand the limits, you'll be able to, you know, continue developing as a, as a human and uh, your uh, different educational skills and just what it means to be, um, you know, a successful human, I guess, uh, mentally and spiritually and, and all those different ways, but you can't, it's, yeah, it's kind of a weird, um, a weird principle, but, um, as said by Kreeft, logic is not the only thing we need. Um, here is an analogy that I came up with that I thought would do a, a better job of describing kind of what I'm trying to get at. Um, if you want to be, for example, if you want to be a competitive swimmer, Knowing how to swim isn't the only thing you need, but if you never learn to swim, you can never become a competitive swimmer. Learning to swim isn't the only thing you need to become an experienced swimmer, but I would argue it's the most important. I believe logic is the same way to education and learning as swimming is to becoming an experienced swimmer. You need logic, and if you don't have logic, all the other parts can't be used well. Let's jump to the 10th reason that Creep gives for studying logic. The 10th reason is testing authority. Creep goes on to say on page 6 that we need authority as well as logic, but we need logic to test our authorities. We need authorities because no individual can discover everything autonomous, uh, autonomously. There you go. <laughs> We all do, in fact, rely on the human community and therefore the authority of others, parents, teachers, textbooks, experts, friends, history, and tradition for a surprisingly large portion of what we know, perhaps up to 99% if it could be quantified. And that is another reason we need logic. We need to have good reasons for believing our authorities. 
for in the end, it, it is the individual who must decide which authorities to trust. Um, I think that, you know, no matter what, what um, political party you affiliate yourself with, uh, that last statement, the um, we need to have good reasons for believing our authorities for in the end it is the individual who must decide which authorities to trust is something all of us can resonate with. Um, I feel like trust is something that's very lacking in our political um, climate and I think to be honest with you it's on on both ends but but yeah so I, I think that that's something I've learned um, you know, since being out of college, but also specifically in the last couple of years is, um, you know, it's important to understand like why you believe what you believe and who you can trust. Um, you know, something that, that's what I think a lot of school has taught us, not necessarily, you know, explicitly was telling us that's exactly what it was doing. But, um, so I think that that's a really important thing and I honestly wish more people were doing that um, because I think that a lot of, of, of issues come across when people blindly trust someone that either they haven't discerned if their trust is worthy or um, they just if you blindly trust someone you know on something that's such a, a big principle that you should have some understanding of um, it can be very um, it can be very difficult when things change or things don't go exactly as planned because you don't really have a confident, you know, your point of view is not really confident on that section. So you're, and you're, you're expecting this leader to, that you had trusted to give you all the answers. So I think it's really important to, um, you know, of course, not all of us can be, uh, you know, politicians and, and, you know, you necessarily have gone to school or, um, you know, study that, but I think there's a basic level that you can, you can learn. And it's really important to, um, be able to know that like, po you know, power is definitely, I, 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 you know, people, people have done great things with power, but people can do horrible things with power as well. So being able to discern who is, who in, in, you know, in authority you can trust is very important. Um, not just for yourself, but for the greater good of society. So um, I thought that was really good what he said. Um, you know, I, as I was kind of talking about politics, I, you know, our media today tells us what to think about a story and not the story itself. Um, in order to get to a point where you can analyze the story and decide for yourself what you believe it is true, we need logic. I believe that we use logic already in different ways that we don't realize. The point of studying logic is to improve your practice of logic because through that practice you will improve yours and others' lives. Just like any art form, logic has to be practiced and worked on for it to continue to help you and truly enhance your life. Which I know is not necessarily what people want to hear. I myself wish it was something you could take in a pill form and uh, not really have to work hard <laughs> for it. But unfortunately, that's not the case. All right, so number 11, um, the number 11th reason for studying logic is recognizing uh, contradictions. 
Kreeft goes on to say, one of the things that you'll learn in this course is exactly what contradictions means, how to recognize it, and what to do with it. Logic teaches us which ideas contradict each other. If we are confused by that, we will either be too exclusive, that is, we will think beliefs logically exclude each other when they do not, or too inclusive, that is, we will believe two things that cannot both be true. He then goes on to say, when we consider two different kinds, different ideas which seem to contradict each other, we need to know, one, first of all, we need to know exactly what each one means. Only then can we know whether they really contradict each other or not. Again, it sounds like a very simple principle, but defining terms is something that is very rarely done in our current dialogue. Um, specifically, I think when we're just having non-formal conversations, um, no one defines their terms and you have to. Um, you know, I think a lot of problems arise from people using the same word, but um, you know, having very different definitions um, and I think when that comes when you have that situation, um, you need to address that and acknowledge that the definitions are different and then try to work towards a common definition. Um, but a lot of people just don't even really understand that you need to define something. Again, these are sound really kind of stupid in, in, in sense of like, not stupid because they're dumb, but like they seem too simple, but I think we've gotten away from the simple principles, which has caused a lot of issues. I don't think that like when you have everything, say you're a master in logic, you still are going to have struggles and it's not like things are going to be perfect, but I think um, we make it a lot harder than it needs to be. Partly because we weren't taught certain things, but partly because we make it more difficult. It's, it's a little bit of a mix of both, in my opinion. But anyway, so the second one is that it says... Um, if they do contradict each other, we need to know which one is true and which one is false. And thirdly, it says, and we do this by finding reasons why one idea is true and another is false. There are three acts of minds understanding of understanding a meaning, judging what is true, and reasoning. I know that was a lot of information, but I feel that all of that information is very important. I believe the most important part of what was stated above is the section where it says the three acts of the mind, understanding a meaning, judging what is true, and reasoning. I also think the idea of finding reasons why an idea is true and false is so important and is something that is not done as often today as I believe it should be. I find myself afraid to acknowledge the fact that I believe that truth is not relative, which is a statement that was universally accepted for thousands of years. Uh, the honest reason that, that I I'm afraid to acknowledge that is twofold. One, because the narrative in our society is one that if you believe a certain way, you are labeled in a negative way. Not by everyone who disagrees with you, but the overall conversation has become that, and so it creates a fear to bring an honest opinion up, even if it doesn't fit the culture fit with the culture standard of acceptable. Because of that, it has made me realize how many things I know deeply but struggle to articulate in a respectable way to someone who doesn't agree. So due to my fear, I have just not engaged. 
I'm going to work on not letting fear get the best of me and engaging this discussion. If you learn anything from this episode, let it be this statement. Something is true, not because you think it's true, but because it's true. I know that sounds like an abstract thing you would have heard from your philosophy major friend in college and your older eyes at, but if you stick with this podcast and logic, you'll soon understand what that means, how our culture doesn't believe that, why it is so important to believe that, and more importantly, why that is the best news ever. We will learn throughout this book how to use the three acts of the mind. We will spend a lot of time discussing and getting into those concepts through our study of logic and in this podcast. Now on to the twelfth reason, which is certainty. Quote from Kreef, which is on page, starts on page six, it says, Logic has, out, quote, outer limits. There are many things it can't give you. But logic has no, quote, inner limits, like math. It never breaks down. Just as 2 plus 2 are unfailing four, unfailingly 4, so if A is B and B is C, then A is unfailingly C. Logic is timeless and unchangeable. It is certain. It is not certain that the sun will rise tomorrow. It is only very, very, very probable. But it is certain that it will either will or won't rise tomorrow. And it is certain that if it is true that it will, then it's false that it won't. As I've said before, logic doesn't give you all the answers to life, but without logic, we can't define certainty and explore its limits and purpose and human existence in the way it helps and hurts us. The phrase, it is not certain that the sun will rise tomorrow but it is certain that it will either will or won't rise tomorrow. It's such an interesting thought to me. As humans, we are constantly reaching for control and certainty. This phrase reminds us of the timeless truth we all know but love to forget that the only thing certain to, in life is that things are always changing. 2020 has made us wake up to that reality and change. reality of change being a constant because we haven't really had a choice because um, there has been so much change and there's been so much change that like is impacted our, our daily life. Last but not least, let us move on to number 13th, which is truth. Our last reason, uh, this is a quote um, from Craved. It says, our last reason for studying logic is the simplest and most important is that logic helps us to find truth, and truth is its own end. It is worth knowing for its own sake. Truth, um, Kreef goes on to say again, quote, truth is to our minds what food is to our bodies, end quote. When I hear the word truth, it usually stresses me out. <laughs> the reason it stresses me out is because it's a word that people use very often, but never explain. Um, it's kind of similar to the uh, word like best friend. When I was younger, I hated when people said best friend because I used to take it like very literally, and um, and people use it, you know, fairly often and flippantly. And I was like, you can't have twenty best friends, you know. It's like this, and um, 
yeah. Anyways, so, yeah, the reason, let's see, oh, so, uh, something I do grapple with when I hear the word truth, and I think the thing about it that kind of initiates my anxiety towards it is, um, what is truth? Is truth relative or absolute? As well as who defines truth? Um, I gave kind of a little bit of, I shared a little bit in, for the, um, I believe in the certainty section, of what I think about certain, about truth and relativity and such, but um, I want to kind of go more into that and actually discuss the questions I mentioned about like, what is truth? Is it relative, you know, or absolute, as well as who defines truth? Um, I honestly think I'm not sure if this is, you know, this is probably is everybody's experience is different, but in my experience, um, I grew up being told that I create my own truth um, by by a lot of the culture. Um, I wasn't told the same things in, in certain schools and classes and things, but that created this really, really conflicting dilemma because... If somebody tells you that, like, that, that's the first, like, like, having somebody tell you, like, oh, you can create your truth, that sounds nice in theory. Like, it sounds really cool. It sounds like what, it's kind of like how it feels like when you're a kid and, and you're, you know, like, if, if your parents finally just like, whatever, you can eat whatever food you want. I don't care if you eat healthy or not. Like, at first, your impulse as a kid is to be like, this is amazing. And honestly, you may still as a kid think it's amazing, but like from an outsider's perspective and as you become an adult, you realize like it wasn't amazing because it was bad for you and it like actually hurt you. It didn't help you. Um, that's kind of how I feel about that message. But I think sometimes you have, a, you know, you, you've got the people who aren't are not relativists, which I don't know necessarily the term for them. And then you have relativists. And I think the one thing we have in common is we, we have all grown up in a, a time where relativism is really pervasive and it sounds awesome. Like it sounds good in theory. Um, just like a lot of things, unfortunately, um, that's initially sound good. Um, it is actually not, um, and yeah, I just definitely 10 out of 10 would not recommend using. And granted, I would say that weeding out relativism in my own life, I'm not perfect with it. I'm not saying that I am perfect with it at all, but I strive for that. And I think it's really important to hold yourself to certain ideals, even if you don't always attain it. Um, because what's the point of life if it's not to get better, you know, love yourself, love others, love God, and, yeah, I mean, it sounds simple, but it's really just, like, the hardest thing to do, um, so it's not, like, a, it's not a simple thing at all, it's something that I think, if you're, if, if people are really honest with themselves, everyone struggles with to some extent, but you can't, like, begin something if you don't have an understanding of what you need to begin so but anyways um 
yeah, so I just, I just think it's important that we, like, another thing I, I've noticed, like, is, like, it's really, it's hard for people who are relativists and then other people who aren't relativists, um, to have a discussion because it's, like, almost like you're speaking two different languages, um, and a lot of people don't, who are relativists don't even really realize that's what they are, um, and that's something I'm looking to, looking to figure out, like, how's the best way to have a debate or a discussion with someone, you know, who is is relativist that I can, you know, learn from, and then they can learn from me, because I obviously want, want the best for them, um, and that's something I'm still kind of trying to figure out. I don't really have the set answer for that, but I think that's an interesting question. It's like, there's a lot of, th- you know, you type in how to, how to be good at debate or how to be a, you know, good argument, like, you know, have a good argument or whatever. And it's like, a lot of it's like about being right, but it's like, I don't like, yeah, you don't want to compromise. Like you, you want to be quote unquote, right. But it's not right because you said it, it's right because it's right. And you have to balance like not compromising the substance of it while also meeting someone where they're at without like, I don't know. It's just it's just really hard to have those discussions, and I'm I'm still trying to figure out like um, how to do that. So if anyone needs tip has any tips, hit me up. <laughs> um, has well has any tips about like how to have a debate with someone that's like has a completely different world. I mean, I think that's where a lot of our problems come from. Is like it's like yeah, we we. Most people don't know their, the way they view things. Like, most people wouldn't even, if you said, oh, you're a relativist, they'd be like, what the hell does that mean? You know? And, like, I don't even know what to call, my, like, my view of not being a relativist, you know? And I'm I'm the one that's giving this podcast. So <clears throat> it's not an easy thing to define. Or if it is, I just should be embarrassed that I don't have the definition. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely challenge everyone to think about the question above, like, what is truth to you? Like, do you believe it's relative or absolute? That type of thing. Don't have just my answer be what you want. Like, um, I really challenge you to think about it for yourself. And, um, if it's the same, cool. If it's different, cool as well. Like, I just, it's cool that you're thinking about it. Um, I'll discuss that question in my next episode. I, I, I want more time to think on it and kind of be able to really, you know, uh, marinade. I don't know if marinade's the word. Uh, no, yeah, marinades, like, soak, you know, think about it, I guess, I'm hungry, apparently, um, so, yeah, thanks for sticking with me and getting through all the intro and readings in society logic, I know this is a lot, but they are all very important reasons, and, um, I think going through those is helpful, um, helps kind of give a good introduction into getting into this book. So um, I hope this has piqued your interest in learning about logic. And as always, please please feel free to send me questions, comments, concerns, or if you want to just say hi (laughs) to learninglogic123 at gmail.com. You can also follow my Instagram account, and I have like a a blog as well with like the template of the episode that you can sign up for to get um, email updates like once I come out with a new post that is actually, that can be found at my, 
um, in my in Instagram. It's like in the, I don't know what it's called, but like under where the picture is. Um, but yeah, so next episode I will be discussing the next part of the book, which is titled All of Logic in Two Pages. It's an overview of the most important principles of logic before getting into all the details on those principles in the coming chapters. So I hope everyone has has had so far and continues to have a happy holiday season. And if you celebrate Christmas, a very Merry Christmas.